0: You're listening to the Secrets of Doctor Who, episode number 74.
1: I'm a doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. I am Scottish. I can complain about things.
0: Shush. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. Today, we're discussing the classic Fifth Doctor's first story, Castrovalva. Joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? And Father... And
1: Jimmy... (laughs) I'm not a father in any sense of the word.
0: <laughs> I have
1: ordained you, Jimmy Akin. Hi, un, Jimmy. Un, uh, howdy, Dom.
0: <laughs> That's the first time in 70 episodes, I think, that I've done that. Um, yeah. So Castro is.
1: Normally I get doctor instead of father, but I do get (laughs) father on the radio sometimes.
0: (laughs) So um, Castro Valdez is not about uh, motor oil. (laughs) (laughs) It is uh, is a story. I just kind of call it comes to mind. Um, It is a story, as I said, of the fifth doctor, his first story. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's a new era of doctor who, when this airs in January of 1982, um, Peter Davison taking over the role after uh, the seven season stint of Tom Baker and Tom Baker being uh, most popular doctor in history, perhaps. Um, Jimmy, you were telling me before that uh, the the show (laughs) itself changes a bit at this point.
1: Yeah, um the, and so Peter Davison had some big shoes to fill after Tom Baker because he had been there for so long and he was so popular that for many people he just was Doctor Who, especially here in America. He was the only doctor that many people had ever experienced and even in England he'd been there for so long that a bunch of children growing up had not known any of the previous doctors. Mm. And so this was just changing the doctor was a big shift. And um the show runner at the time was a guy named John Nathan Turner. He'd come in a year or two earlier and started making some changes. Like there he'd updated the opening credits to have a more modern feel with synthesizers and a starscape and so forth. And um and he 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 would continue to make changes, but probably The biggest successful change he made was introducing Peter Davison as the doctor. Uh, Peter Davison Mm -hmm. is he was he was the youngest doctor at the time. He um, uh, he was a popular actor known for uh, in particular for the series All Creatures Great and Small where he played uh, Tristan mm-hmm. Farnon, the kind of young, mischievous, veterinarian brother of, 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 uh, of one of the main characters on the show. He, um, he was very boyish and likable and, um, and had a reputation for mischief on that show. But he plays a, a much more responsible doctor here. And I've seen people comment that of all of the actors in the classic period, Peter Davison is the best actor. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that that's probably an accurate assessment. Someone like Tom Baker is very uh, charismatic, but he's not much of an actor. He's really basically right. playing Tom Baker. Mm-hmm. And, um, and well, Peter Davidson can really remake himself. Father, you were going to say something? I,
2: I just saw actually
1: today a, a quote from Stephen Moffat, of course, showrunner.
2: Outgoing showrunner of New who, and he basically says the same thing is the reason why Peter Davidson was such a successful doctor is because he's one of the few doctors that could actually act.
0: Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. and he's one of the few doctors that actually
2: had a career before and after doctor who, again, this is talking classic who, right? Uh, you know, had an actual career that wasn't just tied up in doctor who.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It, it kind of a parallel is in the New Who era is uh, David Tennant. David Tennant's doctor is in a lot of ways modeled off of Peter Davison's doctor. Mm-hmm. And Tennant also is, Tennant's probably the best actor of the New Who era, in my opinion. I don't know mm-hmm. if there are mm-hmm. Capaldi fans who are going to say it different, but but Tennant has a, quite a broad range and mm-hmm. has had a you know, it has gone on after Doctor Who to very successful stuff like <laughs> church. Church.
0: Yeah, or anyone yep. who's seen Jessica Jones can see how it can be a very different character uh, mm-hmm. is, is Kilgrave.
1: Now, in addition to Peter Davidson and, you know, we can talk more about him like in this episode, we see and I'll I'll, have some stuff I'll save on that. But um, there were other changes to the show as well. When Doctor Who was first created, it was created as a as a Saturday tea time family show. Uh, They had a slot they needed to fill in the late afternoon that, uh, you know, could appeal to everybody in the family, including the kids. And so. The show was really created for that Saturday tea time slot, but it, the ratings had been had not been great in that slot. They'd been fading, and uh, John Nathan Turner did something uh, that was really considered kind of radical at the time. They shifted from a once a week Saturday tea time format to a twice a week weekday format where they came on and gave you two episodes a week on Monday and Tuesday. Hmm. And, um, and it turned out it was a huge boost to the ratings. It was very successful. Um, people liked having it. They were willing to accept it in the middle of the week and or not in the middle of the week, but on a week on weekdays, they liked Hmm. having the two episodes a week and that was very successful. There were also other innovations, um, like this episode, Castro Valva is the first episode of Doctor Who that has a cold open. Uh, a cold mm-hmm. open is where you have a sequence before the credits. And uh, it's where you get the story going immediately so you don't have to sit through credits before you find out what's happening. And this this episode is the very first to have a cold open. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also a significant change, at least for fans, in the closing credits. Up to now, in every episode of Doctor Who, the principal character was credited as Doctor Who. Here for the first time, he's just credited as the Doctor, Hmm. thus setting off all kinds of future fan speculation about (laughs) is his name really who?
0: Yeah, (laughs) you're right, and in fact, uh, it's sort of become canon uh, in many ways that his name is not who, although we play with it a lot. Uh, Do you know happen to know what time of day it aired on uh, the Monday and Tuesday? I I think it was
1: family viewing hour. I think it was, I don't think it was still tea time. I, but I could be mistaken about that. So
0: more evening as opposed to like after school.
1: Yeah. But still before the watershed when, when kids go to bed.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, interesting. So, um, the story itself, uh, just to kind of set the, the stage for it is the doctor's, um, regeneration has not gone well, uh, it seems that they, they don't.
1: (laughs) Well, but, and, but this one's different. So previously when the doctor has regenerated, um, it's, it, it, I mean, like when Tom Baker regenerated, there was a lot of comedy. Um, I mean, he's Mm -hmm. changing into the crazy costumes and stuff. Um, the first regeneration we saw, he was, he was mysterious, but didn't seem to be in danger. Yep. Um. When, when, uh, when John Pertwee re- regenerated, when he became John Pertwee, um, he was a little disoriented, but he wasn't in danger until he got shot. Here, right. the regeneration itself is a problem. And we even have this discussion of the regeneration is failing. Right. And so even though, and that's a big plot point. That the regeneration itself has gone wrong, so this is not supposed to be happening this way, and even and so we get these like callbacks to previous doctors Mm -hmm. where he's momentarily impersonating the first four doctors, but as he including a really nice impression of the first doctor where he's like tugging on his suspenders and going hmm, (laughs) and and we get these callbacks to previous doctors, but they're played. Not for comedy, but for drama. Right. To, you know, it's like something is. This is just wrong. Something bad is happening
0: here. Right, and, and in fact, what we've got is we've had this very unusual sequence, and we're we're sort of it's sort of an extension of the previous story um, mm-hmm. of Logopolis uh, that led into the the Fourth Doctor's regeneration, where we have the Master at work. Still trying to uh, manipulate the doctor, manipulate time and space using mathematics to, for his own ends. Um, and, and we, we also have this, this figure that we never see again. We've never seen before, uh, that is related to this regeneration called the Watcher, which is this sort mm-hmm. of mummy like featureless creature that is somehow the doctor. Do, do, do we have yeah, any pretty- better
1: understanding of this? Yeah, the concept of the Watcher, I mean, they introduced it, and I think effectively it was just a kind of mysterious thing that can happen with Time Lord Regenerations where there's a kind of projection of the future Doctor back into his own past. Um, and that's been fleshed out in a lot of the uh, spin-off media. Okay. Um, but it's uh it's the only time they've used the figure of the Watcher on the TV show and and I think it's very effective. it's it's it does have this eerie, you know quality to it that communicates to the viewer that time lords, you know, are mysterious and operate in non-linear ways okay. and aren't just humans despite their
0: appearance. OK, so uh, so we, we get a, a bit of extended recap, a cameo of of the end of the Legopolis uh, serial.
1: Which they actually refilmed. And so there are continuity errors in it.
0: <laughs> of course, mm-hmm. uh, um, continuity didn't seem to be the BBC's big thing back then. No. Um, <laughs> so the uh, and which then goes into this uh, this moment where they're trying to where uh, uh, the 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 uh, companions are Adric, Nissa, and Tegan. Still, uh, they're mm-hmm. trying to avoid these uh, security guards at the Pharos Project, mm-hmm. uh, which was this big radio telescope uh, sort sort of thing that they were at, and the, that the uh, the master was trying to take control of. Um, <clears throat> they, uh, the, you know, they they're trying to take away the, the injured, unconscious doctor, um, and they through a series of madcap sort of <laughs> and and wholly implausible uh, machinations uh managed to to T- and tegan managed to get a hold of the the ambulance that they put the doctor in and drive off with him uh for about 100 yards so they can get him into the tardis yeah. and uh adric meanwhile is taken captive by the master in yeah. his tardis which looks like a uh uh a, a doric uh pillar from greece um, which is fascinating.
1: Doric or ionic? Is I have it, to look that
0: up. Well, we don't really see the the capital, so it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to say. Uh, but uh, it's got that fl- the fluting anyway. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, so there's a whole lot of the sequence of... Uh, I mean, this is one of the issues that we've talked about with Classic Who is, is because they spread the stories out over four uh, episodes. There's a lot of... Uh,
1: running around a lot
0: of running around yeah and the doctor is disoriented he gets his uh outfit um uh which is a yeah he's
1: he's wearing the burgund late stage burgundy tom uh baker uh bohemian thing with the right. hat right. and the boot and the long scarf and the trench coat um and he he then gets into a costume that is is reminiscent of a cricketer's costume,
0: right. cricket
1: being a sport they play in England that you kind of wear. It looks sort of like a striped 19 early 1900s business suit to American mm-hmm. eyes. Yeah, um, I'm told now I'm not an expert in in cricket suits, but uh, apparently it's not 100 percent authentic. And in some of the big Finnish audios, they they have uh, they poke fun at that where there's <laughs> like a master story where the master is talking to the fifth doctor about how he dresses like no one in the history of cricket ever.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one of the elements that well, carries through is the uh, the question mark on the uh, lapel yeah. uh, of the shirt. Yeah. yeah. Which goes away. Fact,
2: who who knew that the TARDIS had a full cricket uh, clubhouse? Yes. Yeah, really. <laughs> that's maybe, maybe there's it, actually a maybe there's actually a cricket pitch next to it <laughs> that we didn't see.
1: There is. I, oh, I need to find it real quick. Um, there is a later episode um, of of Peter Davidson's tenure called Black Orchid. Well, that's the next um,
2: episode, I think,
1: isn't it? No, the next one. I, yeah, I don't. The next, was the, next the,
2: next, was it the next one they released. I'll oh guess. yes, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, but in Black Orchid it's like a two-parter, so it's very short and it is uh, the last of the true historicals where there's nothing other than the TARDIS, there's nothing paranormal in it, it's just a historical adventure mm-hmm. um, but there is a great moment, the doctor gets to play cricket in it and he shows up um, and uh, and there is he. there's some confusion about Given his cricket playing, whether he's the doctor or the master and immediately instantly they're very alarmed by um, this reference to the master who's explained, as you know, the other doctor. And they're thinking it's Anthony Ainley's master who is a time lord and thus could be considered another doctor. But no, it's a 19th century uh, or early 20th century uh, cricket player who was known as the master who was also (laughs) a doctor. (laughs)
0: Oh, that is so funny! (laughs) So, um, one of the things I like about this in this transition is is what they do with the fourth Doctor's trademark scarf. Um, Oh, as 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 the fifth Doctor is kind of staggering around the TARDIS looking for this particular place that he's heading to. um, he, He, you know, the TARDIS we as we're told is this giant spaceship so he wants to leave a trail a little uh you know a, a, cr- a breadcrumb trail uh, in uh, in essence but he ties off a, a a thread from a piece of the yarn from the scarf and unwinds the scarf as he yeah. goes and it's sort of a symbolic of the unwinding of the fourth doctor like where you know this is the the fourth doctor is gone and only the fifth doctor remains folks this is the future
1: yeah, and it, it works well. I mean, it's very dramatic. I mean, he's disoriented, he's hurting, and he's unraveling the thing that was iconic about his previous incarnation. And that vulnerability he has, which is one of the things I wanted to comment on, is how vulnerable the doctor is in this, which adds to the drama. He's much more compelling when he's vulnerable than when he's Mr. Supercompetent strutting around bragging. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that makes Peter Davidson, to me, really likable as a doctor. But it plays it—it it, it does symbolically and very effectively, emotionally, put a period on Tom Baker's time. It's like th- we're moving beyond that. Mm-hmm. This—that is over. There's something new happening here, and it does that very effectively. Unlike what happens when Peter Davidson regenerates mm-hmm. into Colin Baker. And we have change and not a moment too soon. And I'm the doctor, whether you like it or not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's a very, I mean, imagine if they'd done that, if they'd gone from the most popular Dr. Tom Baker to was probably one of the least uh, popular uh, mm-hmm. Colin Baker in that yeah. span. Uh, I mean, it might have been disastrous uh, in that sense. Um,
1: yeah, no doubt.
0: And and so the doctor is trying to find this zero room and, and he's helped along the way by by Adrick who we know it, this was kind of confusing to me at first. We know he was mm-hmm. captured by the master and yet he shows up here and apparently it's a projection of Adric that the master's manipulating. Um, mm-hmm. Adric had set the TARDIS to, to take flight cause he, uh, he, besides the doctor, he's the only one who knows how to fly it. Um, he is the Wesley Crusher of Dr. Who. And yes, he is. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, he, he goes off to find the doctor, uh, Staggering about looking for the, the zero room, and Nissa and Tegan. Um, I thought this was funny. Was uh, start going through the the uh, the Tardis's database <laughs> that the yeah. that, that is there, uh, which, which is, happens which is, to show up. Yes, yeah,
1: and is so nineteen eighties personal computer. Yes, yep. <laughs> to, to the point that when they're trying to figure out how to use an index file, instead of having an audio interface and say, computer, bring up the index file. They have to, like, figure out, okay, it's going to be IF, a two-letter abbreviation, right. because that's the kind of data <laughs> you had to put into Earthbound computers at that time because of the, <laughs> the memory limits and so forth.
2: Well, and I, was, I was trying to figure out what type. They obviously used a computer of the time to, to run, it. I was trying to figure out what it was. But, it, I mean, it, it's obvious this was a 1980s era. And actually, I think it might have been like a BBC Micro which was mm-hmm. a popular computer at yeah. the time, which, of course, would make sense because the BBC helped sponsor the development of this yeah. computer.
0: But... Uh, the it, only other you know, PC of the time that I remember that was British in origin was the Timex Sinclair. Um, but Sinclair. I don't think that, that, that might have predated been this. Later. That no
1: people, later. the people, No, folks, the people running this podcast are not a bunch of geeks.
0: Not no, not at all. Not that I owned one once, a Timex Sinclair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we have the, so, and it turns out that this database is, uh, a false projection, a trap laid by the master through Adric's, uh, ability to manipulate, uh, time and space mathematically. Right. Um, and, and really, so to get down to, to what's going on, the master is trying to get back at the doctor, trying to get his revenge on the doctor by sending the TARDIS to the creation of the galaxy, to the Big Bang. Right, where he will be trapped or destroyed.
1: Or Um, event one, as they call it. Yes. Which is a neat, neat designation. Mm -hmm. Um, So here, and they also misdescribe it as a hydrogen inrush, which is, and so this is the second time we've had the TARDIS hurtling back to the Big Bang, effectively. The Mm -hmm. first time was in the episode The Edge of Destruction Mm -hmm. that we already talked about. Only just as they got the science wrong back then, they get the science wrong now.
0: <laughs> so the Big Bang was not the
1: creation Still of the galaxy. It, and the galaxy, it came along billions of years later. And it wasn't a hydrogen inrush. Um, hydrogen was something uh, – the element hydrogen was created in the wake of the Big Bang mm-hmm. uh, within, you know, a very short space of time maybe. But it it wasn't inrushing from somewhere else.
0: <laughs> right. well, this is a quote, uh, Luke Skywalker from The Last Jedi – Everything you've said is wrong.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so um, this the doctor's trying to get to this uh, the zero room because it's supposed to block out all uh, outside interference. So something is it's like, interfering it's with this like regeneration, right?
1: Yeah. It's like a sensory deprivation tank to let his neurology set settle down in the wake of the regeneration.
0: Right. And once he's in there and Nissa and Tegan are in there, they also, you know, the doctor passes out or whatever it is he goes into a coma um and then they see a projection of Adric in the master's trap uh he's trying to send them a warning uh, essentially mm-hmm. um in this place so it's so we, we have this multi-layered uh you know situation of of jeopardy going on um and uh so the the doctor to 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 escape from the 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 event one, the, the hydrogen rush, the Big Bang. He has to cast off, delete rooms of the TARDIS to create thrust. Uh, this is a, yeah. a fun little uh, element. Uh, I think. Do we ever get this again? I think we got this again in New Who at, at one point, didn't we? I don't
1: recall if we get it again. We did get it once before, because mm-hmm. uh, like Romana's room is like, I think how they got out of e-space in mm-hmm. the ESpace space trilogy, was they they had to like jet, convert Romana's room and parts of the TARDIS into energy to make the transition, and he actually refers to that event here. Um, and this time they jettison, apparently a quarter of the TARDIS. And one of the drama points is the doctor is so loopy as a result of the failing regeneration that he can't tell them Mm -hmm. how to control which 25% of the TARDIS they jettison. (laughs) And so they may, they may jettison themselves and they just have to roll the hard six and hope that won't happen. (laughs) Right. Right.
2: You know, there was, there was a time that it, it, uh, this concept was used in New Who that I can recall uh, the episode the Doctor's wife. Oh right. Right. Where they deleted there was a uh, they were in a room and a room got deleted and there's a TARDIS safe, safety protocol that moved them to the console room. Well, of course that was then the the Doctor's wife being the TARDIS's conscience right. takes back over the TARDIS. Okay. So they do they do bring this up again. This is, mm-hmm. you know, not used in this aspect, but it is used.
0: Okay, Again. I thought I thought it seemed familiar. Um, so they they get uh, you know this this kind of goes on for at least one of the four episodes, right? I mean, it's not until really into yeah, the it, second episode that we get to the reason why this is called Castrovalva, right?
1: Right. The first episode is basically set on the TARDIS. The second, they get to Castrovalva and proceed from there.
0: So. Um, the the doctor starts hearing the cloister bell um in the in the zero room and has to leave it and uh when he does he's thrown to the floor and then it turns out that the zero room that the doctor needs was one of the the rooms that he, that got jettisoned um so they create yeah. a a new like a a zero, zero casket cabinet <laughs> yeah zero cabinet they call it um it looks like a, a casket. Uh, and determine that they need to go to Castro Valvo. Who comes up with the idea? A Castrovalva It's it's in the TARDIS, the fake the database in the TARDIS that
1: we later learn is a plant. Okay. Um, so we should mention what uh, about Castrovalva. This is a real place in the real world. It's a town in central Italy hmm. that, like the Castrovalva on the show, is set high up on a hillside, and it was made famous in a painting or an etching, I guess, by the Dutch artist uh, M. C. Escher. No relation to MC Hammer, and <laughs> um, and so uh, there's a, this famous etching of of Castrovalva that was the inspiration for visually for this location in the show. Also, Escher is an inspiration in other ways for the show because one of the things about Escher's artwork, especially oh. his later artwork, is it's very recursive, mm-hmm. and he he likes drawing Im- Impossible places Like one of his Most famous uh, Etchings Is called Relativity Which is Sort of A building Kind of It's castle-like In a way But it has People walking Up and down Staircases right. Sideways At impossible Angles And he likes These optical Illusions <clears throat> Where where um, You know Things are, are Fitting together In unexpected Ways Also he, he Has a lot Of things uh, that are tessellated um, so that you'll have like an image of birds interlocking with each other perfectly, like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. And he likes recursive things like another uh, recursion is where something loops back on itself or recurs. Right. And so like one of his famous uh, uh, illustrations is of a hand coming out of an illustration, drawing a hand coming out of an illustration <laughs> and um All of that is part of the inspiration for the location, Castrovalva, in this episode, which is a city on a planet of the same name, apparently, Mm -hmm. that itself is a mathematical spatial trap that is recursive that has been set by the Master for the Doctor. So the Master actually has two traps in this series. One is sending the TARDIS back to event one, and the other trap is Castrovalva. And, and and so there's a heavy M.C. Escher influence on this story. Um, also, there was a very popular book at the time called Girdle Escher Bach that explored M.C. Uh, Escher's work and recursion and mathematics and computers. And even though I haven't been able to document it, it's it, it's the contents of the book Girdle Escher Bach are so similar. To what we have in Castrovalva, that it's hard for me to think they're not related in some way.
0: Oh, interesting. So, okay, that 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 helps a lot because I didn't understand the reference. I didn't realize um, the there was a real Castrovalva, but the the Castrovalva to create what you we just said is in the story is not in Italy. It's on another planet um, with a right. different people, um, although right. it looks right. vaguely medieval. Um, yeah. and the database tells them that this is a place of rest that was, someone mm-hmm. would go to recover from something, say like a bad regeneration. Yeah, uh, and so they decide, oh, well we should go there. And it's, uh, Tegan who ends up piloting the, uh, or she thinks she's piloting Supposedly. the TARDIS. Uh, and crashes it sideways, uh, <laughs> crash landing. Which is tur- fun. Yeah, and it turns out she's not actually piloting it, but it was right. Adric's uh, programming that, that brought it there. Um, so, um, it's what does it say? It's a region of simplicity that's better for recuperation than the zero room. Okay. Can be,
1: yeah. Yes,
0: can be. Uh, so it's so- like
1: there's no technology there. There's not going to be any complex, um, you know, tech or it's it's very it's meant to be very pastoral. And so it's another place the doctor can let his neurology settle down. It's not going to be intense and confusing. Mm -hmm. The 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 trap being it really is intense and confusing because of the way it's recursive and loops back on itself. And once the doctor realizes that it inflames his neurology.
0: Right. Uh, so once they're there, Nissa and Tegan, in their completely impractical shoes, have to carry the <laughs> the zero cabinet. This is, you know, this is the 1980s. Uh, I love
1: how they're climbing this rock face. It, it's not even it doesn't have crumbly handholds, and 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 we get this shot where like. Tegan or Nyssa gives Tegan a boost up onto this rock and we get this close up of her intensely impractical air, airline hostess shoe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, it was I, funny. Uh, yeah. I I was,
1: I I was once in Athens and uh you know there's a a place in Athens called the Areopagus which was a kind of meeting place and St. Paul went there and it's been so worn down over the centuries by people climbing on it. It's a rock um, that it's incredibly slick. And I can tell you, my cowboy boots did not, were not easy <laughs> to navigate on the Areopagus. And so I have some feeling for uh, for Tegan getting up that rock face.
0: So apparently there are Ewoks on Castrovalva um, or, or some variant thereof. <laughs>
1: Um, men really in tall. He walks.
0: Yes. It, these very, very strange costumes. Uh, the, like giant carved heads and furry. I
2: almost, you know, I, I almost thought those masks looked like, uh, like space helmets or something like that. <laughs> like they were supposed to be based off that,
0: but they were like, they were like, um, the helmet from, uh, um, space balls, dark helmet, you yeah. know, it was like mm-hmm. massive compared to their actual head. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was sort of comical. It was hard to take it seriously. Um, I
1: I like the way they describe that, and it's 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 a kind of subtle, ironic social commentary where one of the characters explains that the portreve, the ruler of uh, of Castrovalva, has invented a new religion called exercise,
0: and (laughs) and he's
1: sending them. Which which for you know early eighties and the fitness fad back then, it it is kind of like a religion, and uh, so he's been sending them out to get exercise to hunt. In the mm-hmm. woods, wearing the absurd costumes of their ancestors.
0: This is the era of Olivia Newton-John and Let's Get Physical. So yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and in fact, the the natural state of the Castevalevins is indolence. It's a virtue in their in yeah. their place. And one of the highest ranking uh, uh, social positions in the in the place is the librarian. Uh, in yeah. fact, the the preferred activities to sit around reading books, which. Uh, you know, my my wife uh, really I think appreciates uh, that, might want to live in Castrovalva if it were a real <laughs> place. Uh, that valve anyway, other uh, than Italy, yeah. other than Italy. Although I, I probably wouldn't, would not. Uh, uh, I probably would enjoy the uh, Italian Castrovalva. I'm going to guess. <clears throat> um, at this point, I kind of want to bring up something, um, and I don't know whether this is a problem with the acting ability or with the way the cat it something to do with per, the particular character but Nyssa has this weird affect about her this yeah. sort of flatness in her uh, the way she addresses things is this yeah. is this an acting problem or is this a a conscious decision to play the character this way
1: i think it's a little bit of both Um, This is also fairly early days for the actress um, playing Nyssa, and she she grows and and becomes more fully alive, I think, as time goes on.
0: Um,
1: Incidentally, uh, Nyssa, according to Peter Davison, was his favorite companion because unlike Adric and Tegan, um, I mean, Adric was a brat and Tegan didn't actually want to be a companion. But Nyssa did. And so uh, Peter Davison has said he's the she's the companion that he related to most as a doctor. But she comes from this kind of aristocratic background in e-space. She's from a planet called Trocken and her dad was not exactly the ruler of Trocken, but sort of the 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 prime minister of Trocken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and so she has this kind of posh attitude and accent that results in a little bit of flat affect in some of these early stories, mm-hmm. I
2: think. Okay. Well, and you know, you can definitely point to the acting because there's a couple of scenes, especially the one where Tegan and Nissa are in the console room talking and the acting is just awful. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just the framing of the characters and the actors themselves was just not good. Right. So I think there's probably a little of that, too.
0: Yeah. Now, T- Tegan is a little more lively. I mean, she's Australian. She's got a mm-hmm. little bit of that Australian, uh, you know, verve.
1: She's verb. stroppy in her own words.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, also so,
1: in her own words, she's a mouth on legs.
0: <laughs> yep. I mean, in some ways she sort of, uh, recalls a little bit of uh, the personality of Sarah Jane um, in, in that she's the outgoing and sort of... Uh, a bit take charge in her attitude. Mm-hmm. In, 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 a little more in her temper, side. though. Yeah, yeah a, a lot temper. more
1: temper. A lot more, <laughs> yes. Um, well, and she, among all the companions, is ultimately going to get so unhappy with traveling that she is going to just yell and scream at the doctor to say, Let me out of here. I'm sick of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's gone for a whole episode.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> well, and and let's not forget, like, didn't didn't her what was it? Her aunt? Didn't her aunt
1: just Auntie die? Auntie Vanessa. Yeah. The,
0: so she and her, she
1: came in in Castrovalva. Um, yep. um, when, in Legopolis. Uh, in Legopolis. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. In the previous episode, Legopolis, where um, she and was on her way to her first day at work at at the airport, in, um, Heathrow in England, and her auntie Vanessa was was going there with her. They were driving a car. They got a flat. She repaired, tries to repair the flat, and they stumble into the TARDIS, and the master shrinks and kills uh, her auntie Vanessa. Mm-hmm. Um, so she really has reason to hate the master. So does Um, so does Nyssa, Mm -hmm. because the master, after having burned through his previous regenerations, was in this disfigured state and seized the body of Nyssa's father Mm -hmm. to get to continue his life. And so the master is actually living in the body, sort of pseudo-regenerated, living in the Mm -hmm. body of Nyssa's father, which explains why Nyssa, when he sees what what the master has be- or who her father's body has become. She says, I hate that face. Mm-hmm. Um, because the master has made alterations in the face, but it's played by the same actor, Anthony Ainley. Um, so both of these companions have a history with the master. Also, I wanted to comment on Anthony Ainley's performance in this. He is just totally nuts. <laughs> yeah, You know, and and we really get a foreshadowing. I mean, the, the original master, Roger Delgado, was not this crazy. Neither mm-hmm. were the two kind of disfigured masters that we had as interims. Before we got the Anthony Ainley master, who's now going to be master for for the entire Peter Davidson run, all the way up, the way up until uh, the, Sylvester the, the Sylvester McCoy, Sylvester McCoy in the yeah. hiatus, right? Um, so he's he Anthony Ainley is the master for the rest of the show's classic run. And he's just nuts. Um, you know, he, the dialogue is beautifully over the top, talking about when he thinks the TARDIS has been destroyed. Now the universe is purged of the Doctor and his impossible dreams of goodness. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous Run. dialogue. But you get a foreshadowing of the end of time mm-hmm. where the uh, the New Who, the original New Who, John Simms master, is just crazy yeah. And acting insane, and we later find out the Time Lords have like have this drumbeat in his head all the way down through his lifetime that's been driving him nuts, and and that really, even though that's a retcon, it really explains how Anthony Ainley is just so insane in this episode.
0: It was well, very interesting, by the way. The the Portreeve we find out is the master. Uh, it, yeah. You know, yep. But um, in the th- first uh, three. Uh, episodes of this serial, the portrue is credited at the end as oh I lost it uh, Neil. Uh, how do they put it? Neil Tone. It's really yeah. Anthony Ainley. Uh, it's yeah. it's, not, it's not really an anagram of it. It's just they. I don't I don't know what they've they, Neil they Tone. Like,
2: they've done that a couple of times. There's a couple of times where the mask, you know, like this. Yeah, and they'll 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 have some fake name for it.
0: Yeah, so yeah. so right, and, and, and I
2: mean,
1: that coming in as a disguised character and revealing himself is a standard trope for the master.
0: Right, right. Um, so, uh, one other thing I want to kind of bring about, about the story, the, the the atmosphere of the story. Um, did you find that the the sound effects, the special effects of the birds and the animals uh, when they're outside was almost too loud? I don't know if it's my sound system. Yeah, maybe it's my sound system is is funky, but it was almost like they were really emphasizing, we're in a jungle.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't quite notice that, but. I I didn't notice that, but one thing I did notice growing up was how horrible the sound on BBC shows was. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was always hard to get, you know, hear the characters and stuff unless you just totally cranked up the volume.
0: Okay, okay.
2: So I, uh, I wonder, I wonder if that's that's an artifact of having to translate from like it was a visual issue, but I think there's also the audio, right? How it's recorded, you know.
0: And I'm watching streaming, yeah. and it could have something to do with my uh, uh, my sound system too, and, and that sort of thing too. So maybe that maybe it was just me. So in the story, that you know the the doctor, the Nissa and Tegan kind of they're, they're carrying the doctors zero cabinet he's levitating in it so as not to be a, a heavy burden even though it still is uh then he
1: doesn't he, he doesn't normally have the ability to levitate but in a zero environment he can
0: right mm-hmm. uh, and then they leave it for, for uh for a little bit to kind of go off and, and and do whatever they're doing and uh when he comes out of this he kind of wakes pre- precipitously or or pre- prematurely um this blood, a blood trail, and and we're, we're first we're led to believe that it's the doctor who's bleeding, but mm-hmm. it turns out it's you no, know, he's following someone else. And what was the blood trail that he was following?
1: I think it was one of
0: the animals they were hunting. Okay, okay. So, all right, because that that was the as part of the uh, new exercise religion, they were sent out hunting, as you said.
2: Right. And well, that mis- I, th- I think the reason why they assumed it was the doctor because there was a scene where he bumped his head, and we were they weren't clear if it actually was blood or if it was some of Tegan's makeup again. <laughs> right. But he thought it was blood, so he did the the the, the ointment on the back of his head.
0: Okay. Okay
1: um yeah too bad they didn't have one of those bandages that susan put on him in the edge of destruction where the bars fade out as he heals
2: exactly <laughs> <laughs> must only well, had one in the tardis and they used it
0: up yeah i want yeah. i want those bandages for my kids because they'll wear a bandage for like three three weeks after they have a scrape uh look it's healed just take it off um so once they're inside uh, there's actually this interesting moment uh the doctor is uh, brought inside by the cast of he's sort of welcomed and uh Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to uh, give him some refreshment. They give him celery. Celery, yes. <laughs> and, he re- and he remarks upon receiving it that this is civilization. Now that he has celery, celery, <laughs>
1: uh, which he then takes a bite out of. And although we don't see it, the actor Peter Davison has an intense dislike of celery and immediately spit it out. Oh, that,
2: you know, that is funny. You know, act like this is the greatest thing in the world. Takes a big smile as he smiles as he takes a big bite. Yeah, you know, that's In, in the,
1: in the <laughs> same way Mel Mel Blank hated carrots, but had to use them for Bugs Bunny because it was the only thing that would make the right sound.
0: Oh, so fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna guess that Peter Davidson is, is is probably very often given celery by fans at various, <laughs> <laughs> various oh, <my> times and <laughs> places. Um so uh like we said, it's uh, the Castro Valde is the civilization um dedicated to sitting around reading books um, until people and they they have
1: some knowledge of medicine too like they give him a drink it's a tincture and he gives the Latin name of it but what it is is Valerian and it's like, wow, they're getting the science right for once. Mm. Valerian is an is an herb from the real world that uh-huh. is used to help calm people down.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> With some rosemary for taste.
0: Rosemary, yeah. yes. <laughs> uh, hopefully they've grounded up well. Um, yeah, The uh, So Adric keeps appearing here and there. He doesn't want to be seen by the doctor because so, he doesn't want the doctor to get worried that he's been captured by the master, uh, but he's but he's trying to get it, and Tegan to make sure that he regenerates fully or, you know, that, that whole, whole thing is settled before he takes on the master. Um, and
1: apparently all of that's a lie. Um, right. The That this is this is it is an image of Adric and Adric is sending it, but the master is somehow making him send it.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. The idea is to keep the doctor quiescent until the trap is fully sprung around him, which yeah. is this re, uh, recursive reclusion.
1: Uh, occlusion
0: occlusion right uh, where we have these scenes of them running through Castrovalva going down 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 and then coming back to the central square again and down 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 down, down and yeah. over and over again
1: yeah the third third episode cliffhanger you have this jumbled video edit of all these different aspects of Castrovalva colliding with each other on screen
0: yes uh, like a like a broken mirror effect if you, you imagine mm-hmm. that yeah um, and the way that the doctor figures it out uh, that that what what's really going on is that it's a projection created by the master is in the history books the history books relate they're five hundred years old and relate the history of Valva up to today uh in in a pretty neat yeah. trick uh unless they're time travelers um in and, and in fact everything in Valva is a projection created by the master including the people uh but the people are so convincingly created so well created that at one point, the librarian turns against uh, the master.
1: And eventually they all do and seem Mm -hmm. to, and trap the master in Castrovalva as it folds up and disappears. So there, it looks like the master may have been killed by his own trap here. Now, of course he's not, he's got to come back, but that's what it looks like.
0: (laughs) Right. right. I mean, so the, in the end uh, they, they, uh it's the librarian who throws himself into this uh structure that's holding adric the, of these the, the energy web. beams the, yeah um and sacrifices himself to really, to free adric the the, the master goes loopy uh, goes off his nut uh starts chewing <laughs> the scenery and uh the doctor and Santigan and adric escape from Valva just in time uh, and the the master is stuck inside as it disappears, um, and then uh, they they the doctor and the companions they jog back to the TARDIS because apparently exercise is still important, and
1: uh, Doctor still has some of that new religion.
0: Yes. Yeah. And uh, he uh, puts his celery in his lapel, and and that's yep. it. Uh, so I mean, is there? Is there it's sort of straightforward at the end. I mean, it's a, sort of a straightforward a little action yeah. sequence.
1: And and he's achieved closure and says, you know, whoever I am now, I'm feeling very much myself mm. and and, yep. and so it's you've got a positive, you know, forward-looking doctor ready for his next adventure.
0: Right. I mean, it's sort of the standard way for a regeneration episode to end. Um, Unless
1: you're Peter Capaldi. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. So, anything? Uh, is there? Although with uh, the tenth doctor, I don't want to go. Is actually how? Uh, well, that's yeah. actually not the. That's um, not
1: his end of his first story. End
0: of right? his the uh, yeah, right, 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 Sorry. Yeah. So I had a few
1: minor notes uh, mm-hmm. on things we hadn't talked about. Uh, one is Nissa uses the word telebiogenesis. In this apparently is a reference to regeneration. She says she doesn't know a lot about telebiogenesis. One of the things they establish about Nyssa overall is that she she's very, she's, she's very technical and she knows a lot about biomedicine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a recurring thing with her character. Um, but uh, she says she doesn't know a lot about telebiogenesis. And if you think about the what what that word would mean. It actually fits regeneration. Uh, Genesis is, you know, from a Greek root that means beginning. Mm-hmm. Bio is life. So the beginning from bios life. So it would be the beginning of life. And tele, you can bring it could be based on one of two uh, Greek roots. One of them would be tele, which is where we get telephone. Tela means mm-hmm. Uh, From afar or distant And so Mm -hmm. like telephone is far voice Right Um, But that wouldn't make sense here Uh, Far beginning of life That wouldn't make any sense But the other one Like if you have teleology uh, The English word teleology It's the Mm studyology Of the end, telos And so if you take telebiogenesis It would be the beginning of life At the end so you mm. have the mm. end of one life and the beginning of another.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: So uh, so it's actually a good word. They finally got the science. I mean, it's not real science, but they got their Greek etymology
2: <laughs> right
0: for once. <laughs> they had their pseudoscience um, right.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. They apparently had a, a lot
1: on
0: staff yeah. at that
2: time.
1: Um let's see other notes I had we hear a lot of the cloister bell in this and it's really effective as this is the sound of doom it was it's also very new at this point in the show's history it had just been introduced at the end of Tom Baker's run Right Um as often happens in regeneration in post-regeneration stories the doctor's taken out of his own story for a good bit Mhm and finally, they have a, a a line of dialogue where the doctor is kind of prophesying how the characters, how the companions are going to function based on their skills. And he identifies Tegan as someone who can be an effective coordinator, mm. Nyssa as someone who has technical skill, which she does, and Adric as the navigator. And that apparently is the role they meant Adric to play going forward, But he doesn't last very long. He wasn't a successful character, so Mm -hmm. he he didn't really get to fulfill that. But Nyssa does carry forward with a lot of technical knowledge. And even in this series, we see Tegan, while the doctor is incapacitated, she's like, take charge and get stuff done on multiple occasions. She really is an effective coordinator.
0: That's true. That's true. Uh, Anything else, uh, Father So. um, Nope. What so a, a bit of a programming note uh, on this is as you know we've been going through the um, the the all of the post regeneration stories uh, for all the doctors uh, but after this we've already talked about the uh, the first episode of uh, just recently the first episode of uh, the the fifth uh, the sixth doctor I'm sorry the fifth doctor Colin Baker I'm sorry sixth sixth doctor, doctor after the fifth doctor. Um, we've talked about the caves of Androzani, and then going into uh,
1: the twin dilemma.
0: The twin dilemma, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, we, and yes, the twin dilemma.
1: And <laughs> and since Colin Baker didn't have an on-screen regeneration, it, it, we talked about the first Sylvester McCoy episode where we saw him standing in for Colin Baker to regenerate. Right, yep. and
0: that was time in the and- runny.
1: And then we talked about the Doctor Who TV movie, which was the first eighth Doctor story. Yep. Mm-hmm. We recently talked about Rose, which is the first ninth Doctor story. We recently talked about the Christmas invasion, which is the first 10th Doctor story. So I think and we've already done um, uh, the first Peter Capaldi. I think the only one we have left to do is uh, is the the 11th hour.
0: That's right. Uh, Matt Smith. Uh, that's right. For the 11th Doctor. And uh and we have yet to do the first thirteenth Doctor story. We will do that uh, when the, when it comes do out. <laughs> yes, when it's. Yeah. We, I don't have a TARDIS, so we can't do that one yet. Uh, so really, there's only one left to do. Uh, although uh, you know, we we've got some plans of some other uh, sort of thematic uh, episodes to do. We, we we'd like to do a Peter Capaldi retrospective. Uh, we can maybe uh, do some episodes, or at least one episode on. Uh, uh, Chris Chibnall, who's done some Doctor Who episodes, uh, he's mm-hmm. going to be taking over showrunner and maybe a retrospective on Stephen Moffat's time. Mm-hmm. So, um, but if you have any ideas, you have any preferences, you, you please let us know. I mean, we, uh, if you have some ideas for uh, topics or themes, especially of classic Who, I mean, with new Who, we're going through uh, methodically through the uh, the seasons we haven't and, done, but uh, and
1: we, and we really can't do that for the uh, or I mean, we could, but it would it would be Somewhat difficult. Um, it would take forever. Actually, a suggestion that I have is um, continuing with our classic episodes because we're alternating between new who and classic who. Yep. Um, I, I think all the ones you mentioned, Dom, are great. But in in addition, as a kind of an ongoing theme, I think it would be great if we like went picked a story from each doctor. Sequentially, So like we do a first Doctor story and then mm-hmm. our next classic episode, we do a second Doctor story. Sure. And then our next classic episode, we do a third Doctor story and we walk through the Doctors that way. That way we're not bogged down in any one Doctor's era for mm-hmm. too long. Right. But we do get to talk about both good and bad episodes.
0: Yes, that might be a good idea. Um, uh, uh, I mean, we've talked about doing all the worst episodes, all the best episodes, but frankly, I don't want to watch – you know, five terrible episodes in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants that. Uh, so, but well, but that's actually a good idea too. So, if you have an idea as a listener, please let us know. Um, but uh, in the meantime, w- you know, what did you think of this uh, episode uh, Valva? Uh If you get a chance to watch it it's, again, it's available online on uh, BritBox, on Amazon, some other places, streaming. Uh, so, let us know. Do not-
1: Yeah. And do not forget to like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, whatever Mm -hmm. it is on the platform you're using. And please share this with other people because we want to grow the podcast and help it reach more people. Also, we have other podcasts in development, including one, Dom, that you've just started that comes out actually daily. Can you tell us about that?
0: It's the StarQuest headline update. It's uh, four headlines in two minutes every day, every weekday. Um, It's uh, sort of the news is always about. The sorts of things that the folks that those of us who listen to or create the podcasts, that's uh, part of the StarQuest podcast network, uh, the sorts of things we are interested in, uh, science fiction, uh, movies, TV, Catholic stuff. Uh, so, um, you know, it's it's every day, which I try to get it up before uh, the afternoon drive time on the East Coast. Uh, so uh, but you can also listen to it on your uh, Amazon uh, Echo device. Uh, you can put it as part of your so flash Ale- briefing.
1: Alexa will get it for you.
0: Yes, I, I tried not to say Mary, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's like she did <laughs> for you.
1: I didn't uh, I didn't give the command, but yeah.
0: So um uh, there's, so you can go to our website and see that. Also we're we're working on some other th- things we're ta- we've got uh upcoming up uh you might it's probably out by the time you listen to this, uh, secrets of the new Netflix Lost in Space. Secrets of Avengers Infinity War, Secrets of Solo, A Star Wars Story, Ready Player One, uh, Black Panther. We've got a bunch of those. Those are also uh, a separate podcast uh, feed on our website if you go to the Secrets of Movies and TV shows. And we've got some new shows in development as well. So actually what I'd love you to do is go to our website and sign up for our newsletter. I promise we don't give out your email address to anybody else and we try not to send more than one email a month uh, just to kind of keep you up to date on what we're doing. Uh, and, and we really appreciate that and and appreciate any help you can give us to expand our reach where, what we're doing is we're trying to reach out to a a vast audience with some good programming, uh, from a particular point of view.
1: We're, we're trying to grow the network, but we need your help to do that. So by all means, please share this and our other podcasts mm -hmm. with other people that, you know,
0: online. Yes. Thank you so much. So, um, so tell us what you think of Castrovalva or anything else that we talk about. Visit us at sqpn.com and leave a comment there or uh, go to the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page. Leave us feedback there. You can send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. We love voice uh, f- uh, email uh, feedback, so you know, record your voice and send it as an attached uh, audio file. You can find links to all our personal and social media and websites on our show notes on sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the 10th Doctor story, Rise of the Cybermen. Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. My pleasure. Father Corey Stika, thank you as well. Glad to do it, and thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening, and remember... Whoever I feel like, it's absolutely splendid. When will I see you again? Ah, uh, soon, I
2: expect. Or later. One of those...